I want to, I've been going on and on this morning already, but I want to talk to you on the subject of patience. I wasn't necessary. The term long-suffering, thanks, ChatGPT. The term long-suffering, ChatGPT, is helping a lot of you pass school. What's amazing is now you don't have to be smart anymore. Long-suffering, as is used in the English translation of the Bible, is derived from the Greek word something, 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 which is compounded of two words, something, something, meaning long and more broadly temper, long-tempered. So long-suffering means long-tempered, long-tempered or long-angered. The Greek word uses, used carries the idea of having a long fuse. So when we say something is long-suffering, in the, in the King James Version of the Bible, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is long-suffering. Long-suffering, being long-tempered, meaning to have a long, long fuse. Some, who knows somebody has a short fuse? Fake it till you make it. Giving way to anger punishment, hence the association with patience, forbearance, endurance, particularly in the face of provocation or trial without quickly becoming agitated or retaliating. The Old Testament, which was originally written in Hebrew, if you didn't know that, the Old Testament was written in Hebrews, uh, Hebrew, which means long, meaning nostrils, or anger. The sodium with breath of nostrils so, um, is often translated as slow to anger. Slow to anger. That's why we have that song, the Lord is gracious and compassionate. Slow to anger. Slow to anger. That comes from the word long-suffering. God is slow to anger. He has a long fuse. In Exodus, God is God. The God that we serve is a patient God. God is a patient God. He says in Exodus 34, verses 6, And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and in truth. Numbers 14 says in verse 18, The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children. Psalm 86, verses 15, But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering. God has, has a um, nature that is long-suffering, slow to anger. Romans 2, verses 4 says, Or despise thou the riches of the goodness and the forbearance and the long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance, the goodness of God. God is, God is slow to anger. Why does God need to be slow to anger? Well, the plain and simple answer to that question is because you don't get it right on the first try. If God was not patient with you, you would have to give up. You are not, you, you could not make it if God was not slow to anger. The fact that God is slow to anger, long-suffering with you, implies that if you make a mistake, God is still not angry. 
And then you try again, God is still not angry. And then you try again, and God is still not angry. It means that God's anger has been dealt with through Jesus on the cross. That God hates sin, but his hate is manifested in his, his dealing with sin through Jesus on the cross. That now when you make a mistake, God is not angry with you. He might be not as pleased as, he, as we could have him be because faith pleases God. And it is faith that keeps us trying, but without knowing that God is patient. If your math teacher was not patient with you, none of you would count. If my math teacher wasn't patient with me, I wouldn't be here today. Or Afrikaans teacher, or English teacher. How many of you can read and write? You don't know if you, I so want to just let my mom see. But you wouldn't be able to do that if they were impatient with you. Do you know how you made the first A? I remember distinctly, I don't have many memories of, 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 of 100 years ago, but when I was in class, you would have these thick lines, big lines, and you would draw, and they would take an A, and you would go make an A, and then you would draw pictures into it. And you would color it into, is that how they still do it? Tried and tested. Why do you change a thing that works? Why would you change? So if they... If, now you come there, do you think your first A turned out that, okay, you do have two or three girls. <laughs> Not me and you. She was there to distract the teacher. Well, we're taking a bite of our sandwich. But they were patient with you. So that you can learn how to make the A. How many A's did you have to draw? A couple. I wish I drew more. B's and P's and D's. They should have spent more time on that. But we had to move on. And for years, I had to try and figure out which one is a B and which one is a D. But it affects how you write the time spent on a thing, knowing that the first thing, that time you began to write that you weren't perfect at it. Now, sanctification is not a 24-hour thing. Sanctification is a lifelong thing. It's amazing that people don't come to church because they've already learned all the lessons. All right. But in the same way, God is patient with you because the more you try and pursue the things of God, the more you realize that you need God. And it's in that realization that the change begins to happen in your own life. Because you'll never make an adjustment if God is angry the first time you try and you don't get it right, you're forced to quit. Because what happens if God is angry? If a continued warning happens in your life. If God is, so, so God's patient with you, gives you time to work on a thing. And the more you work on the thing, the, more the, 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 the higher the chances are of you, of you changing and improving that thing. But we sometimes take God's patience as, as a tool for us not to even try. Because God is patient with you and with me, sometimes we take seasons, taking the patience for God granted, we take seasons to not learn, and then when we are in need of that thing which we were supposed to learn, 
We expect God to do a miracle for things that we were supposed to fo focus on ourselves. <laughs> so the first thing I want you to understand is that patience is part of God's nature. Patience, much like love, God says God is love, but God is a God that in his essence is patient. He is patient with us. Now that same virtue has to be in you because he calls it in Galatians 5, verses 22. Can you put that up on the screen? Galatians 5 from verse 22, I think it speaks of the fruit of the Spirit. It's, it, 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 the fruit of the Spirit is called the fruit, but the fruit of the Spirit, it's the fruit of the Spirit, not small spirit. It's not, so it's not the fruit of your spirit. It's the, not the res, fruit is the results of something. So it's not the results of your endeavors that gets there. This is the result of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. Now that fruit of that Spirit manifests in you. You, you happy with that? The fruit of the Spirit is love. You don't have that in you. It's a result of the Holy Spirit through you. It takes time to begin to grow in you. So when you allow the Holy Spirit to take, the more God and the things of God, the nature of God, the ways of God, the more those things begin to replace who you are. Because, very difficult language problem now. You never lose your identity, but you lose your identity. You no longer live, but Christ lives through you, but yet we call, still call him Paul. And we still call him Peter. So what God replaces is your sin nature, your fleshly side, your carnality, but you keep who you are, but you are surrendered to be God. So leave that verse up there. So what God does is the more Holy Spirit begins to, to work in you, he cuts away what is flesh and begins to develop who is God in you. God begins to manifest through your life. So the more you are the Holy Spirit poured out in you, he says it's like streams of living water pouring out of the inside. So the more this begins to happen, the, the, the greater the increase of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. This is now because of what God is. You can't have, just give me a Kleenex there, please. You can't have this if it's not the nature of God. So we understand. Are you okay? Akis, look okay? We understand now that God's, God has and God is patient with us. He is slow to anger. So this is his nature. So when he takes the Holy Spirit, pours out the Holy Spirit in us, when the Holy Spirit makes your, life, your house, a better way to more normal and humanly explain this in human terms, um, what's the right word? Basic understanding, is that God says, do you not know that your bodies is a temple of God? So just breaking that down into a picture, your life consists of many, many rooms. Your, your life consists of many rooms. Every room you surrender to God, he begins to fill up. And the more the house begins to change, the more, the, the more you allow every room to be occupied by God. And the, we have different rooms. And so some of you say, my, my, my um, friends is governed by the kingdom of God. So the way I choose my friends, if God is not for it, it's not for me. But then you exclude that from uh, the sports you play. God is not allowed to touch my sports. Or God is not allowed to touch my girlfriend that I, that I date. Or my finances, the way I spend my finances. Or the way that I think. Or, or There are so many different rooms. So the more you allow God to come into these rooms, the more the house begins to change. Now, so the Spirit of God, I heard the story 
of these elephants that were breaking down the, the, the park and just tearing down trees. They, took, they had to put in an older bull to bring order. So the, the park began to change because they put a bull in the park with the other elephants. Now in the same way, your nature begins to change the more you surrender to the Holy Spirit. So if you lack these fruits, it's because I want to submit to you, there is a lack of you surrendering to the Holy Spirit in your life. You don't concentrate to love more. You surrender to love more. The more I allow God to come into my life, the more I have the ability to love. The more I make God the dominant, that's wrong language again. The more I surrender to God's lordship in my life, the more I align myself with loving people. Because if I surrender to him and it's his nature, then I have no choice but to. But if I'm in charge, I can still make the decision to or not to. Now the same with long suffering. If it's God's spirit that is slow to anger and his spirit gets in me, then it begins to make me slow to anger. So my anger, the Bible says, be angry, but do not sin. And most of our problems, divorce and marriage problems doesn't just start in divorce. It starts in unchecked anger, unchecked resentment, the nature of God that's not manifesting in that moment. And you don't understand that that moment leads to a breakdown of the marriage to the extent that you have to get a divorce. So if you don't exhibit God's nature in the small things, and how you forgive someone, how you are patient with someone, how someone doesn't get something. Now imagine how, how to say this. There are so many Christians that now currently, the Bible says that Paul plants the seed, Apollos waters, but the Holy Spirit makes it grow. This is the newsflash. None of you lead anyone to Jesus. He does that. The Holy Spirit makes that seed grow. He is the one that extends that hand of grace and they respond to that grace. But we plant the seed and somebody talks to us. So what you do is you, you testify. He says, when you receive power, you shall be a witness for me. So you're sitting at the office and you, you're smiling and the economy around you is falling flat and people are asking, why are you so happy? So because Jesus is my Lord. What do you mean? And you, you get an opportunity, an open door, and you say, well, I also struggle, but finances is not my God. I've struggled. I've, there are seasons that I do well and there are seasons that I don't do well. It's much like laughing and crying. There are seasons that I feel down and there are seasons that I feel up. And the guy can't understand that you feel like that and his world is falling apart. And you testify, but you're planning a seed. Let me tell you this. In 2009, we went through a recession. Everybody lost everything. I was so close, but the grace of God, we kept on praying and God carried me through. And you're planting a seed and you leave that person and you never see them again. Next year, that person walks up to someone else and that person testifies the same thing. And he sees... He doesn't know that he sees it, but he sees because you can see the grace of God in someone's life. If somebody is saved, you can see it in their face. Often, often at a restaurant, I talk to waiters. Why is it often? Because I eat out often. <laughs> but you can tell a waiter is saved by looking at their face, not saying a word. It's the way they serve you. Now, the next time they have an encounter with you, that seat is watered by your encounter and the next encounter. And the Holy Spirit is working in that seat. I was raised in a Christian church for 18 years, but not get, I didn't get saved until I was about 19 years old. Raised, it was seed dropped. My mom forced me to go to church. I don't want to go to church. But she forced me. But every time I sat there, that seed dropped into my heart. And so it took 18 years. Thank God they were patient. If I convinced my mom when I was 
14 years old that I don't need church and she lost her patience and waiting for God to do something in my life, I might not be saved. How many of you have brothers and sisters that are now saved that you had to wait long? The same goes for everything else in our lives. If we are short-tempered, we cut short what God wants to do. When we have a short fuse and when we are unable to wait for the timings of God. But do you know when you're sick, the worst part about sickness is, is that I don't care that I'm sick, I just don't want to feel it. I just don't want to feel it. So you take a sindel or two or you take a grip on or you take something that would numb the pain. And, and the pain goes away because we're not patient to wait for this thing to be dealt with. So we deal with the symptoms, so we numb the symptom. So much, much in our lives is the waiting for God's season, but we're not working in what is supposed to take it away. We take things to numb the pain. For some people, that's alcohol. For some people, that's pornography. It's a, pornography is a tablet to some people that numbs the pain of loneliness or the, the pain of rejection or the pain of not having someone. You're not supposed to have someone in that way until you're married, just letting you know. But we all have a measure to deal with symptoms, not at being patient enough to wait for God. And can you think of someone in the Bible that is now still manifesting around the globe because he was impatient? Can you think of someone whose impatient had results? Abraham, Abraham, God comes to Abraham in chapter number 15. He says to him, uh, this is Genesis 15. Let's see if it's Genesis 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abraham said, Lord, what will you give me seeing I go childless? In chapter 15, we understand that Abraham has a promise of God that I am your exceedingly great reward. And he says to God, I am childless. So in Abraham's mind, the blockage to God's problem is the fact that he doesn't have a child. Abraham doesn't have a child, but God says, I am your reward. Watch this. He says that Abraham said to the Lord, what will you give me seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. God says to him, he shall not be your heir. Does he say that? Next verse. You give me no speak indeed one born in my house is my heir. And then... Next verse, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, this one shall not be your heir, but the one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Now they don't have a child. They're waiting for God. We'll jump to chapter number five, verse 16. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abraham, now the Lord has restrained me from bearing child. So, so God says to Abraham, was it Spurgeon that says, of two evils, choose neither. We, we say of two evils, choose the lesser. Let's choose the lesser evil. As Spurgeon once said, choose neither. So he, he now is married to Sarai, his wife. God says to Abraham, from your offspring, from your body. And so his wife says to him, well, at least it's your body. She doesn't understand that because we are one, we're in the same covenant. We're in the same promise. And she says to him, chapter 16, put that up there. And she says to him, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps she, uh, I shall obtain a child by her. Because she is impatient with God's promise, she wants to now numb the pain of being childless. 
How many of us are unable to wait for God to bring what he says? What does the waiting look like? God is a God that wants you to wait. He says in, in Acts chapter number one, end of Luke chapter 22, wait in Jerusalem until you are, receive power. What is the last words of Jesus? It's not go and make disciples. The last word is not go, the last word is wait. The last word Jesus gives his, the command on the earth is not go, the last word is wait. And it's, it's, it's normally to be sent. We want to go when we think we should. We don't want to go when we are sent because we don't like to be submitted and we hate waiting because when we wait, it feels like we're not in charge. And so the last word that God gives the apostle, uh, the disciples says, wait in Jerusalem until, until this happens. You can't do that until this happens. And some of us went without that happening. How much in your life did you go about doing without something happening that had to happen for that to be in place first? Here's the order of God. How many people do you know? And some of you may have come from that and you are here. You're not here by accident, God. You are here. God took the detour to drop you on this planet, but you're here. But the right way is to have a husband, then fall pregnant. Because the husband first, make sure that the pregnant second has a better chance of being a success. Do we agree with that? Your body is ready before you have a husband. But your situation is not right yet. God wants to do something first. So you have people that's pastoring churches that are not ready. Just as, a, as, a, as an interesting fact, I have now, this church is 11 years old, 11. I've been pastoring this church for 11 years. I was in my church longer than I've been in this church, my previous church. I was in my previous church for 15 years before I was sent out. And I'm still young. There are people in this church for two, three years and feeling like they're losing time. I've, I've been in my previous church longer than Pastor Wilbert has been saved. I served in my previous church for a longer period of time than Pastor Wilbert being saved. If I'm correct, he's about, yes, 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 yes. 15 years. That's a, how many of us has in our seasons of waiting for God, because God takes too long, taken the ball in our, into our own hands? How many people in this room, not even in this room, we have about 800 people online. How many people are getting married to a person they shouldn't get married to because they're impatient of waiting for God? God says, do not be unequally yoked. She doesn't believe what you believe. And so you're not waiting. So, so Sarah says to him, I can't give you children. Take my maid. While they're saying, God saying, I'm going to give you children. So you, you're saying by your behavior sometimes that God is lying. You have to help him. Bishop Pitt said this to me, and, and, and this is where this thought began at. He says, don't make stupid decisions in your delay season. Don't make stupid decisions in your delay season. And Abraham, his promise is delayed because God is waiting for certain things to fall into place. Now he 
takes it into his own hands and he has a baby by Hagar, is it Hagar? Called Ishmael. To this day, to this day, Islam, which comes from Abraham and through that line of Ishmael, is causing havoc around the world because God says he's going to make him a powerful nation, Ishmael, because Abraham interceded for Ishmael. And God said, through Ishmael, I'm going to make your son Ishmael have 12 princes and I'll make him a, a strong nation. And he'll be as stubborn as a donkey and his hand will be always against his brother and his brother always against him. And up to 2023, we are sitting with a problem between two brothers because Abraham could not wait. Don't think your stupid decisions in a delay season doesn't cost you something. Hastily, people date in this church. People tell us, why do you tell people who to marry? I don't tell anyone who to marry. I don't even know your name. I don't care who you marry, do your thing. But if you are one of our youth group leaders and you begin to date someone and you tell them Jesus said we should get married, I'm going to tell you you're stupid. I don't want you to, to be my wife because Jesus says you have to be. I want you to be my wife because when you look at me, you look at me, you need to like me. That's the first problem. So don't prophesy to your wife that she's your wife without having a date at least. And then the second problem is um, they date two weeks and now they want to get married. I think to myself, you gamble much? <laughs> Give it time. You'll see some stuff. Ask her where she wants to go and eat first. Two weeks is not enough. Two years is the recommended wait time before you get married because it takes you two years to get to know someone. And if you can't deal with what you're, and most of you go like, when we get married, it's like having a child to fix a marriage. If we have a baby together, it's no baby has ever made life better. That came out wrong, but I mean what I said. <laughs> we love them. I would not exchange them for anything. I would fight till the death for my children. They're important, but none of them arrived in a Rolls Royce with help and a packet of money. They arrived butt naked. And the first thing they do is they look at you like, ah! <laughs> oh, It's not. So you don't get married to make her personality change. Is she going to turn into a nice person when you get married? If she's nasty before you get married? No, what marriage does is like in these, uh, these uh, sci-fi movies. It elevates the problem. It multiplies the problem. If she is not well and you are not well, you are not well times 10 after marriage. It takes you two years. To get to know someone and then make it. But because you marry the wrong person, you spend the rest of your life with that wrong person. Now that wrong person, who's the one? She's the one. She has to now turn into the right person. Now you're with that person that is causing havoc for you 
having to pursue God's will for your life. And, and the grace of God, this is Paul with a thorn in the flesh. God, take this thorn out. God says to him, no, the thorn's there. The thorn's there. My grace is enough. You can with that marriage and you have to, you have no choice because you got married. With that marriage, make it work. You buy, you know what a credit card is? It's a sign of impatience. If you have a credit card to do business, you have to be sure that that business deal is worth 22% at minimum annually and compounding. What business deal are you going to do that's going to make you that type of profit that quickly? Bitcoin is not the answer. Oil trading, Forex. So most people have a credit card to wear clothes that they don't have money for yet. I want to look the part that I'm impatient to wait to be the part. I want to wear shoes that I can't afford, so I have a credit card to pay for shoes that I can wear now, and then I'll pay it tomorrow. Let me explain it better. A credit card is borrowing tomorrow to pay for yesterday. You're, you're taking from your future to pay what's behind you. How will you catch up? A credit card is your syndal to not feel the pain. You're dealing with symptoms. You're not wealthy. You're not in a position to own it. And you pretend you can. And you don't feel it the moment they approve it. But if you take out a credit card, it's because it's a sign that you're not patient enough to wait until you, you've saved enough. Patience tells me that you have the ability to want something and save for it. Every time, when I was younger, going out to Chanel, especially in early years, even buying cars, she would see me want a specific car. And I'll wait two to three years before I buy it. Most often. There are things that I want. If I want it, I'll look at it for two to three years. I never buy anything, even now that I can. Walking into a store, look at a guy like, boom, bought. I'll tell the guy, I'll come back for it. And I go walk around the mall for an hour or two. And then I come for an hour or two because then Chanel's doing what she does. And what I have left. <laughs> then I buy. If I wanted to buy a watch, I'll wait for that watch for two to three years before I buy it. Saving, doing my thing so that I'm in a position. And then I'll say, if this business deal goes through and this is the profit that I make, I'll allocate this to that so that it is my bonus for completing that project. It's never bought in the promise that I might do business somewhere in the future. Never. I never do that. Because you can't borrow from your future to pay for yesterday's thing. Because the time you finish paying for that, you're not even wearing that clothing anymore. In the early days when I got caught up in an Edgar's account and Truth's accounts and all these accounts, I found out very soon that that's stupid. So I worked hard to get it paid off and I closed all my clothing accounts and said I'll never have a clothing account again. If I can't pay, pay for it immediately and cash, I don't want it. And so in life, we are impatient with so many different things. We, we skip university as young people. I never believed my dad. He said to me, David, please go and study after school. I said to him, why? I have a head start. They'll waste four years doing that. I'll go do that. By the grace of God, to, to a degree, it worked out for me well, and I did catch up my studies afterwards. But many young people think that they're going to go start working first, and they're not going to worry about that, and they have a four years head start. In some, some cases, it's fine. But in most cases, you're not patient. You don't want to wait. 
And statistically, a person with a degree has a higher probability of being successful financially. But because we don't do that, so you study for two years, you don't finish your degree. It's not even the degree that gets you to be smart. It's the fact that you finish it that tells me something about your personality. So you decided to study pianos. Why? I don't know. Some people say to me, I'm three years in, I've got a year over, should I quit? No, you shouldn't quit because the quitting is the problem. Finish what you started, but you're not patient enough to finish that. Patience, when God begins to deal with you, he's teaching and he's allowing things and that patience to finish it is what makes God trust you. The fact that I stayed in the church that I came from for 15 years is a sign that I can do this, that I'm not gonna run away because in that 15 years, that church went through seasons like you cannot believe. And the fact that I didn't run away is, is part of the training to be in this church, going through the seasons that this church has to go through. But if you keep running away, what would you do with marriage? What would you do with children? What would you do with a ministry that God trusts you with? This is why we start with you groups. If you don't have a you group and you can't look after six people, how can you be trusted with anything else? Are you praying that God would give you a business with employees, but you can't look after six you group members? You can't care for them, pray for them, call them and make sure that they're okay, but you want six employees. That six employees will never get a bonus, you'll take all the money. That six employees will never succeed because you're gonna be the one that's gonna get rich and you're not gonna care about them. You're not gonna care if they have babies that need to be fetched at the crash or children that has to go through school or how their children goes through school or getting extra classes because you are impatient with the seasons that God teaches you these principles and values. If you, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say to you that patience is important. God says to them, wait in Jerusalem. They started off, you know, the, the, the Bible says that 500 people saw Jesus after he was resurrected. 500 people saw Jesus after he was resurrected. How many of them were in the upper room? 120. Where were the rest? Couldn't wait. Didn't want to wait. We read of the 120, it was in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit came in, and it was the birth of the church. They missed the birth of the church. They saw Jesus resurrected, but missed the birth of the church. Where were they? Where were they doing their thing? Running around. He says to them, wait until you receive power. Then you'll be. What is the wait until then you'll be story in your life? What is God telling you to wait for? Now, I want to close with this. Waiting is not the same as being lazy. Lazy and waiting is not the same thing. Actively waiting and patiently lazy is not the same thing. Lazy means you do nothing, you abdicate responsibility towards God, God has to do everything, you're lazy. That's lazy. Waiting is you're engaging God consistently. I'm taking this from another preacher. Where did the people wait in Acts 1? They waited, they were in temples daily praying, they waited in prayer, and they waited in fellowship. The question is, in what place did they wait for God until they received power? They weren't in the upper room 10 days just sitting there not doing anything. They were waiting in prayer and they were waiting in fellowship. If you're waiting for the promises of God, where is the best place for you to wait? Amongst the people of God. Because they're not gonna talk you out of God's promises for your life. Make sense? Abraham is still a success story. 
He made a stupid decision in a, in a waiting season, but God was there for him because God is patient. Thank God he's patient. When you, when you pray, say, God, thank you that you're patient with me. Help me not misuse your patience. Help me use your patience in a wise way so that I can grow and develop my understanding of who you are and how I have to readjust who I am. How can I replace lies in my life with your truth? Let events happen under the guard and careful instructions of your hand, God, that would teach me through these events who you are. I want to submit to you all the events that God has allowed me to go through in my life is the events that has bumped me into this road. Know the Lord in all your ways and he'll make straight your paths. The hurts, the loss, the successes and the failures. Allow God to take these as instructors in your life. Patiently wait and see God bring all these things together in the right moment for the right time for God to do amazing things in your world. Let's pray. We're going to stand up and sing right now after that I've prayed. Father, I pray. We have a short fuse on the roads to the office where we work and to the schools where we study. We have a short fuse. We get upset so quickly. In our marriages, we are, we are short fused. We get upset so quickly. In our friendships, we get upset with a statement, an argument, an opinion, a position. So quickly we get upset. Help us today recognize that we should be slow to anger. That we should take a moment to pause and say, it's not necessary to be upset. It's not necessary to get upset, to make a mistake, to say the wrong thing. Help us be patient. In Jesus' name, amen.